Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba. And you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that will never end. This is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence, and joining me again is a former Chelsea defender who eats, sleeps, breathes Chelsea, and like many of us, has probably had a sore head after Saturday. It's Steve Wicks. Steve, are you still on cloud nine after the weekend? Yeah, I'm, I'm still on cloud nine, but I'm, I'm sorry, cloud nine. But I've got a hell of a hangover on cloud nine. I'm still recovering. I, cu- I couldn't sleep after the game. I was like, and uh, yeah, a few beers later, which, which tasted the best beer I've ever tasted. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've recovered, and uh, and I'm just pleased for the Chelsea fans and uh, and Chelsea itself. It's nice to to be European champions for the second time. Sounds nice, doesn't it? European champions, isn't it? It certainly does. It certainly does. And also, Keith, well-deserved European champions as well. You know, it it wasn't a case of uh, that we were lucky. We made our own luck because every player on that pitch put in 100% and they were superb on the night. But every army has a good general and the, the tactics... Patricia were absolutely brilliant. Again, he seems to get the, the best of Pep, doesn't he? Three out of three. I don't think, I don't think there's many managers would uh, have that record. I mean, Glenn Hoddle eluded it in when he did the a commentary for BT Sport for those that watched it in the United Kingdom. And he mentioned that the fact that we've beaten Man City not once, not twice, but three times in the space of two months I can't I can't remember any team doing that not just to Man City but to a Pep Guardiola team and we're going to talk about the game in in detail so this is our review and the reason why we are doing a review we wasn't planning theoretically to do a review um truth be told it was only when we sort of discussed it 
a couple of days before the final, and then we sort of had a proper chat on the Sunday with two sore heads that we we discussed it, and we just felt that it would be the perfect time to discuss it, and also just to sort of discuss what it means for us as Chelsea fans, the fact that we are that we saw our beloved Chelsea win the Champions League, and people you know still claim that Champions League is the best competition in the world. But other people still say it's a Premier League, but it still means a lot to see your team lift the European Cup. Bearing in mind when myself and Steve began supporting Chelsea, there was no way Chelsea were going anywhere near lifting the European Cup. So that makes it even more special to us. So what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about the game itself, but we're going to start off with the team selection that Mr. Tuchel had for this game. And a lot of it was spoken about before. Joe Cole mentioned it on BT Sport in regards to the team selection that he couldn't have picked any stronger side than what than what we picked out. And a lot of, was made of the Man City squad. Steve, we'll start off with you. What did you make of the squad itself? And was you happy with it? Was you surprised? What were your overall thoughts? Um, I was pleased that Havertz was playing. And I'm not just saying that because he scored the goal, but both myself and my son, we were well pleased that he was playing. Um, I think he's going to be a hell of a player. And I think we've said this before on the podcast. Um, and I was pleased he was playing. He adds something to our front line. And obviously, you know, with with uh, with goal scoring not really flowing up there, I think it was a masterstroke. A masterstroke to play in, in that free role. Um, and I thought he did brilliant. He chased back. He did everything. You know, there was one time there, Mason Mount lost the ball on the edge of the box and ran 80 yards to make a tackle in his own, on the edge of his own 18-yard box. Havertz was the same. He was prepared to roll up his sleeves, get back and, you know, and do the, uh, you know, the donkey work as well, which I thought was very commendable. Uh, but I thought it was a masterstroke, a masterstroke. And, uh, you know, the manager you know, deserves all the praise he, he, you know, he's getting. He seemed to have a point to prove, Kai Havertz, didn't he? Because, you know, we bought him for so much money last summer. He didn't hit the ground running and there was people doubting his ability. There was people doubting what Chelsea bought with Kai Havertz. But... Obviously, there was issues with COVID. There was issues with the fact that he was taking a long time to adapt to the Premier League and actually adapt to living in this country. And Ooh. Steve, you know, you've lived abroad yourself, you know, as, as a coach. Is it as difficult as people, you know, make it out to be when you're in a foreign territory and you've got, you know, most of your family in one country, you're in another? Is it hard to adapt to begin with? And how significant is it for a player to have people around him in, whether it's a training ground or in fact sort of outside of football, to Mm. keep him sane, basically, and not sort of be too despondent and homesick? Well, I think the biggest person in that is his girlfriend or his wife. They're the biggest people, you know, it's a it's a major step, and you know I lived 
14 hours away. He can jump on a plane and be back in Germany in a in an hour and 45 minutes. Um, but it, it, that person is the one that if she's happy, life is easier. If she's unhappy, then that causes problems. Um, but with regard to, um, you know, his teammates are also important. You know, as I said to you, when he played for Bar Leverkusen against Chelsea, he was he looked a superb player, and I can fully understand why Chelsea signed him. But this has been like no other season. He's playing three games a week. He's playing, you know, in a league which is takes time, as it's proven, you know, with other players. It takes time to get used to the physical side of the Premier League and also the pace of the Premier League. It's it's a lot quicker and it takes time. Um, but class always rises to the top. And he is an excellent player. His, his technical ability is unbelievable. And it, it was only a matter of a t- time with him. And he's dealing now with the, you know, the physical side of the game. Um, and he looks a very, very good player and he's beginning to... And as Aspilicueta said the other day, he's going to be a world-class player. And by the way, I loved his interview on BT Sport when asked the question, how <laughs> he's doing this. You know that one? He's obviously learning the language very well. Definitely. He probably got that from Cesar himself, to be fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fantastic from... Havertz and I mean we'll sort of talk about how the goal occurred and the the build up to it later but his overall composure once he got past the goalkeeper I thought was just outstanding and I'm I'm hoping next season we do see the best of him and because of his talent he is going to be better he is going to get better and he is yeah, still a young yeah. man he's not in his prime yeah. of of his career he's still a young lad one player I do did want to sort of talk about as well, and a lot of people have mentioned him, rightfully so, being one of the top players in his position, was Reese James. He went back to his favoured right wing-back role. The last few games he's played as a right-sided a centre-back. He played as a right wing-back. I think Mr Raheem Sterling still in his pocket after all this time afterwards surely because he had Sterling's number from minute one he was outstanding yeah I thought he was uh, he, he, I, I, to be fair I thought both our fullbacks had superb games I think Chilwell yes have to mention Ben Chilwell as well yes yeah yeah I think Chilwell you know his personal role against you know Morris was he was superb he knew exactly what he was so tight he never allowed him to, you know, to do his magic. Um, Reece James had a fantastic game, but there's a couple of times he gets caught out a little bit. Um, and the higher you go, and Raheem Sterling is a little bit like the Man City teamer at the moment. And his first touch allowed Reece to get back and get that tackling. But in the semi-final of, a, of a, the Euros, in the semi-final of you know, and a player's on form and he's, you know, he, he's playing well. He might have been a little bit exposed, but he got back, to be fair to him, he got his, his tackling. But that was due to Sterling's bad first touch. 
But for the majority of the game, he was outstanding. No getting away from it. No. Get- the thing is, he's got great pace. And at times, pace gets you out of trouble. But it's cutting that out so you don't have, you don't cause yourself trouble. And it, that, that comes with experience. But those two boys have given themselves, you know, Dale Southgate, looking at those two boys, you know, they, they did an awful lot for their uh, England uh, future. Oh, That's absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. But everyone in that back four, you know, I think, you know, Rudiger made a fantastic challenge. Aspelacueta made a fantastic challenge. And Christiansen, when he came on, that's what we've been talking about, where I keep saying to you, there's a centre-half in there, a good centre-back. He's got everything, but he lacked that physical. But he was throwing himself about and playing like a centre-back, rather than showing everyone he's a good footballer. Christiansen came on for Thiago Silva, and even when Thiago Silva was on the pitch, I thought he was outstanding for the for the time oh. he was on there. He looked an he looked an inspirational leader. He looked like a guy that he, he didn't look thirty six. You know, he looked like a player that was still in the prime of his career. And we have to commend Chelsea. You know, I know that there's been a few times that we've criticised the club and we've mentioned about who who's been the guy or gal signing these players, but we have to commend Frank Lampard as well and the recruitment team for bringing Thiago Silva in because he's absolutely been fantastic for Chelsea and has certainly improved our defensive uh, overall ability to keep clean sheets. Yeah, I I, I think... Listen, you aren't taking too much of a gamble, are you, with a man like Thiago Silva? The only the only gamble you're taking with him, bearing in mind he played in the Champions League final last year as well, so he's, he's playing at the top level, is his fitness. Is his body going to last? That, that, you know he's a marvellous player. But you're a little bit concerned about whether his body will hold up. Because he's now 36. Um, you know, you start getting sort of niggles 30, 31, you, you start to fill your body a little bit. Um, but to me, that was a, a great signing because he would be the one that the players would look at and say, my God, what a player. And the likes of Christensen learn from that, learn from playing with someone of that ability because for all his ability, he's tough, he gets stuck in and he plays like a centre-half. Absolutely. And we have to sort of even look at players like Rudiger, who for me has been outstanding. Yes, I know there was some issues with him under Frank and there's obviously stuff that we probably won't know about. Rudiger has been a better player by playing with Thiago Silva. He has been superb. His defensive positioning, his overall leadership as a yeah. centre-back as well. You probably wouldn't have seen that a couple of years ago, but he's got better as the years have progressed. And you have to wonder with Thiago Silva, how long he's got at the, at the top level, bearing in mind his age. There's strong reports that Chelsea have offered him an, another one-year deal, which Thiago 
will sign. He, he wants to stay yeah. at the club, which is great. And I'm just hoping, this is one of my hopes for the summer, is that with Thiago Silva staying at least for another season and Rudiger, I can't see him going anytime soon. With Vicayo Tomore, if we do have him back, my God, what fantastic players to learn from to become a yeah. better centre-back than what you are now with Antonio Rudiger and Thiago Silva. I, I would find it staggering if we was to sell him. But still on the squad itself, Steve, we've mentioned these defensive players. Mendy, have to give a special mention to him because he has been a signing that many people did not think would be a great signing, bearing in mind not a lot of people knew who he was. He was a player that was recommended by Petr Cech, bearing in mind that they both came from Stade Rene. And he just looks such a commanding goalkeeper and his stature makes him look 10 feet tall. And bearing in mind a few years ago, he was released by his club that were in, I believe, the second division or even third division in France. He's now a European champion. Yeah, I think the, the most amazing thing is I don't think anyone could imagine that he'd have an easier... I bet he can't believe the... Would he have one shot at goal? There was the one shot game? on target for Man City the whole game. You know, but but let's be fair about it. He, he's, he's come in at a very, very... Uh, you know, we were struggling you know, for a goalkeeper. Um, he's come from nowhere. I was thinking that maybe we should go for a, a Schmeichel or, but he came from nowhere. Um, I'd still like to see him again, uh, see more of him. Um, this little thing, I'm, 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 well, we'll see, but I, there's a couple of things that I'm not so sure about in terms of, but that's only going to show over a period of time. I think he came in at the right time for him. Chelsea went through a great stage where there were so many clean sheets and he, people said, openly said, it was down to him coming as goalkeeper. Um, and his confidence grew. And he's yet to have one of those things where things start to go wrong. And that's the test of a goalkeeper. When you make a couple of howlers, you know, it, it, it's, it's the hardest position in the, in the, in, on the football pitch. Um, and in adversity, in adversity, you find out your real great players. Good point. And, and I, I think, think, as you say, next season will be key for Mendy as well. If he can carry on this great run of form whereby he's keeping clean sheets. And also, he's just giving the defence such a relief, knowing mm. that he is behind the yeah. centre-backs. And the centre-backs don't have to worry about if any long-range shots go in we've got a goalkeeper that is capable of dealing with them. I want to talk about the midfield. We can't <laughs> sort of not talk about the performances of N'Golo Kante. And also we have to sort of give a special mention to Jorginho as well. I know last week one or two people did actually get in touch with me about my views on Jorginho. And to be honest, my, my views still stand. I still believe that he is when I looked at the game on Saturday and I looked at his performance, yes, it was very good. But then when I'm comparing it to other players in that team, I still felt that 
he was the weakest link out of the 11. But I will freely admit that Jorginho played arguably his best game for us on Saturday. And he was outstanding. Him and Kante is a good midfield partnership. Yes, Jorginho can be a little bit cautious, too cautious with the ball and he does make the odd mistake. But you tell me a, a defensive-minded midfielder that hasn't made a mistake. You know, you've, no. people people were criticising John Obi Mikel when he was at Chelsea. I was one of them. I didn't rate Mikel at first. But then Mikel stood up to the plate against Bayern in 2012 and... His legacy is now assured at Chelsea. Jorginho, for me, he's done that as well. Yeah, I think every I think every one of that team. Um, and at the end there, Jorginho was running in quicksand, where he, he'd absolutely given everything. Um, and as a manager and as a fan, that's all you want, is for your players to just give everything. And he did things that I've never seen him do before. He was tackling, he was chasing back, he was doing... And he he had a great game. He had a great game. And uh, as much as people... You know, all these players that are playing at that level are fantastic players. They're good players. <laughs> you know, you know, you don't get that far. In, and it is. It, to me, this is the hardest cut to win in football, in club football. The Premier League... What you, I can't understand this. What would you rather be, win the Premier League or be European champions, the champions of Europe? I think I'd rather be champions of Europe, to be honest. And I've always said, you know, that, that and this is what, I think what holds that in good, is the, how much Pep wanted it to win the Champions League. He knows it's the hardest competition to win and he's finding out with the experience he's having, it's the hardest competition to win. And, uh, you know, and we've got there and we've won it the hard way. We've had Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid. Porto's not an easy game. You know, and uh, and we've beaten, and I quote from so many of the pundits that were talking about the game, the best team in the world, they said. I've heard that so many times. Man City, the best team in the world. Well, with 15 minutes to go, we'd restricted them to then start launching the ball into the box. Yeah. 15 minutes from the end, all they did was launch the ball into our box. Walker was taking long throws. As a centre-back, that's, that's what I like. That's what I want. They're playing to my strength. And they showed that with Christensen and Rudiger. They, they were yeah. more than happy to have the games. high balls because also they... Man City didn't have the attackers to cope with the high balls, whereby no. you, you, you're not going to see an Aguero who came on go 50-50 with Christensen. You're not going to see Rudiger, yeah. Oden no. jumping with the ball against Rudiger and even Aspilicueta. So, as you say, yeah, definitely played to our strengths. Would like to talk about the potential... Ballon d'Or winner for 2021, although people perhaps gone a little bit OTT with that. We shall see. And Golo Kante. This guy well, we mentioned... Yeah. This guy we mentioned you know, on, the, on the last show, 
about potentially his engine might not be the same as what it was four, five years ago. My God, he certainly proved us wrong on Saturday. But he covered every blade of grass and he was he was all over the place on Saturday in, in a positive way. And the fact that people have mentioned how great Claude McAlady was, surely N'Golo Kante is now in his own right the best centre midfielder possibly of all time. We shall see. We shall see, you know, possibly that's a conversation once N'Golo retires. But at this moment in time, no doubt people should not be questioning it. People should not be debating it. N'Golo Kante is best central midfielder in the world at this moment in time. I think he's the best defensive midfield player. I, I think his goal record is the thing probably that would lay him down as a central midfield player. For what he's he not, does, he's, he's definitely what he the does, best centre midfielder. He's yes. the best in the world at what he does. Um, and as I've said to you over and over again, you know how good a player is when he's when he doesn't play and you see what how we play when he's not there and how we play when he is there. And his influence you know, with regard to Chelsea is immense. And everyone must look at him in the dressing room when he's fit in a final and you would think yourself, wouldn't you? There's no one I'd rather play with than someone who you know is going to go out and run himself into the ground and do the hard yards. He, he just doesn't. He does the, the 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 hard yards, and he's absolutely the world's best at it. Agreed. Absolutely agree. He was by far the best player potentially on. Yeah, you know what? I will say it. For me, he was the best player on, on the pitch. He nullified Man City's midfield, and we'll maybe discuss that in, in a minute with Man City's team selection. But the fact that people, again, we'll talk about it with Kante, five, six years ago, no one knew who he was. And he no. came to Leicester. He was part of that title-winning team for Leicester. We bought him for £30 million. And he's just gone from strength to strength to strength. Mm. Yeah, he's just been he's, he's just been outstanding. He's been, you know, there must be a lot of clubs who had the opportunity to buy him, and thirty million at that time, you know, it was it wasn't even big considered big money. He was talk about value for money. Um, he and also off the off off the pitch as well. He is a fantastic person to have in your club. Um, you know, a very humble human being, uh, and a, a real fantastic example to his parents for how they brought him up and the way he is as a person. Absolutely superb, superb signing, superb influence, and yet again, to me, man of the match, man of the match. One player as well who I thought came of age on Saturday. And this is a guy who I've raved about for a while, even when he was out on loan for a few years. He certainly 
a future Chelsea captain, Mason Mount. Oh, yeah. Future a... England captain. Well, yes, potentially a future England captain. Absolutely. I, I don't see why that can't happen. But again, people have opinions. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But when you see people getting paid money when they say Mount is not going to be a good player or we doubt Mount is going to reach the top, take a look in the mirror and evaluate what your football intelligence is because Mason Mount has just proved on Saturday. And he's, in fact, he's, he's probably proved since Lampard brought him into the first team. This guy is going to go places with Chelsea and arguably the best academy player since John Terry. Um, yeah. I, I, In the last I, few I, years. I just hope. The one thing that I was very ashamed of about being at Chelsea, involved with Chelsea, was the fact that he was getting trolls who were Chelsea supporters giving him stick. And I just hope those people that have given him stick, I hope they feel a little bit ashamed of what they've done when you consider the player he's turned out. And all these people that that have said the most incredible things about him, um, what they should realise is when you're going through that and people are having a go at you and you still play to the standards he's played to and the standards he's set himself, um, it means mentally he's got it as well. And Terry Venables once said to me, what makes a world-class player is 60% ability and 40% mentality. And I think this has proven that Mason's got the, the right mentality to get to the very top. Yes. To get to the very top. And he's come through that and he's proved to everyone without any doubt whatsoever that he's one of the best midfield players in the country at the moment. Um, and as I said, with all these boys, their futures are, are, are looking fantastic. And I honestly believe that Mason will be captain of Chelsea and captain of England one day. Agreed. But we have to talk about the assist for that goal by Mason oh, Mount. What a pass. <laughs> well, the build-up on that, Chilwell's touch was absolutely sublime when he laid it, he, Sort of outside of his left foot, round the corner, gets it back, plays it into Mason Mount, and that was a slide rule pass, wasn't it? It was absolutely superb, um, and uh, and a great finish. You know, the goalkeeper. What was quite weird about that was it had been interesting if he had missed and it had gone back. The goalkeeper handballed the ball, and he could have got sent off, and I. Someone did say while we were watching the game, what would you rather have? Want to be 1-0 up or 0-0 with their goalkeeper off and Man City down to 10 men? Um, but I don't know which I'd rather have. I'd rather have the 1-0. But, but yeah, because he was out so quick and his yes. touch and to get round him was a lot harder than what probably people thought it was. Yes. But a great ball by Mason. God, that was an absolute slide rule perfection. The full, bo- the full back got caught out. He was the one that, that allowed the, 
Havertz to run, but um, a great finish. Great finish. And during that game, throughout that game, that was the only time where there was a significant gap between Man City's defence. And it was just that pinpoint pass. And yeah. even the run from Kai Havertz was fantastic. The whole yeah. thing was just exquisite. But yeah. as you say, Zimchenko was partly at fault for not sticking to Havertz. Well, we, and... yeah, the, the, the thing about that is where you play at fullback, you can see right along the line. You can see the dangers. And he didn't react to it. He was caught. He was caught napping. And it was too late. He couldn't get back. But it's definitely down to the fullback. It's not down to the centre-back. It's, it's definitely the fullback's mistake. He should have been tucked in there. Yes. Yes, but... Well, well not... I'll ask here's, here's one thing. You know, would it have been as easy to do that with Fernandinho in there? Probably not, no, because he would have been he, he in that space. The whole, well, he's like the, in many ways, he's like the, the, the Chelsea Kante, isn't he? He's like the Man City Kante. He, he's the one that does that, plugs the gap. And, um, uh, you know, and I, you know I, I just think, and it's not often you say about Man City, but, but they got caught out on the counter-attack. But it was a great bit of football, starting with uh, Chilwell. Great bit of football. Great goal, great finish, and one that deserves to win a final. Absolutely. One player who tried his best, that didn't score on Saturday, but my God, his movement is still frightening to some, although he does get offside more than not, is Timo Werner. Um, what did you make of Timo overall on Saturday, Steve? And do you still believe that we will see the good of Timo and the fact that hopefully Timo can get the goals needed for, for himself next season. And how important is it that he perhaps has a good European Championships to get well, his confidence our luck, going? Well, if, if play against England, then probably score twice. You know, it, it's... Um, I think, to be honest with you, um, I think he had two marvellous chances. And I don't think you can keep, say, haven't, uh, didn't score the goal and it was nil-nil. And you look at those and you'd be replaying those two chances that he had. And that isn't, that isn't good enough. For all the work you do and the running you do, there comes a time where you've got to produce and you've got to score goals. And if I was Chelsea now, I wouldn't be waiting for him to come good I'd go out and get the 25 20 25 goal a season person and I'd do it now because Chelsea have got a build from this um, and Sir Alex did it really really well he, he signed two or three players after you won the European Cup and you make the the, 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 the competition for places even harder but I wouldn't be waiting for him to all of a sudden start scoring goals because we've, we've been waiting for that for a long time now. And as Torres proved, everyone said it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. But how many Chelsea... This is a, uh, this is a, a simple question. How many Chelsea uh, supporters 
would have liked Timo Werner to be in the position Kai Havertz was in with the opportunity to score that goal. I don't think there's many that would be feeling confident that he'd finish that. Yeah. And it's like the it's like the one he had where he did it straight at the goalkeeper. When you when you've got when you're out of confidence and you haven't got confidence, you start thinking about things. Even oh the ball's gonna to come to me, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do when you when you're confident, the ball comes bang, you do it naturally. And that should have been in the roof of the goalkeeper's mouth. That ball, he he should have finished that. And the other one he had where he just swung a leg at it. And, you know, I just think we've won the European Championship. But, you know, and that's without someone that scores 20, 25 goals a season. Imagine what we would be like if we had Haaland or we had Kane up front. Good point. Well, it is is interesting you do mention that because one thing that I was speaking about to a few Chelsea supporters on on the Sunday after still having the sore heads was we was trying to maybe look at it from and compare it from our 2012 triumph to Saturday. First of all, I would like to say that I don't believe this one beats the 2012 one. I think the 2012 one will forever be for me, the best one, because it was the first one. And it was against all the odds. We came through a poor Premier League season where we finished, I believe, sixth. We didn't do too well midway through the season and AVB was sacked. We brought in Di Matteo, who didn't have, as a coach, the experience that top clubs would have gone for. The fact that he was an assistant manager, he, he was given the reins, was a lot different to what clubs like Madrid or Barcelona probably would have gone for. And even in the Champions League that season, we was at the stage of going out on more than one occasion against the likes of Napoli and Barcelona. We overcame that. We were 2-0 down against Barcelona at the new Camp. We got it back to 2-2. We go into the final against Bayern Munich in their stadium, in their backyard. And we put on a defensive display. You know, all right, people say, oh, we parked the bus nonsense. But we did a fantastic defensive display whereby Cahill was not fit, but he still played on. David Luiz was not fit, but still played on. And we end up winning it, albeit on penalties. This one is still special, but there is a lot of difference to it. And what what I will say is the fact that this one was different because we outplayed the other team in the final. We were the better side in the final. We played better football, Steve, didn't we? You know, on, on Saturday. Oh, and again, defensively, we looked comfortable. There was no part of the, the game on Saturday, even when we scored, there was no part of me that thought, City can score here because I just felt so not relaxed because it was a final, but I I felt assured that Mendy had everything covered. And based on when Christensen came on and he was getting in front of everything, Rudiger was getting in front of everything. 
we played some outstanding football and we didn't look we didn't look the underdogs is what I'm trying to say on Saturday. So yes, both by both occasions fantastic. Twenty twelve will always be for me personally the, the, the best one out of the two. But my God, Saturday did come close. Um I've got to say that, that in twenty twelve when I saw the team that was picked, obviously we had problems because John was suspended. When I saw the team that was picked, and I think I'm right in saying Bertram was playing wide right, uh, sorry, wide left. When you analyse that Chelsea team, that was so under strength in 2012 due to circumstances. Um, and I'll never forget, to me, that was one of the best headed goals that I've ever seen, Jogba's header. I thought that was absolutely superb. Now, yeah. if you look at on Saturday, the whole, whole of the football world thought that Man City were going to win. I think we've come off that pit. It was like a carbon copy to me. And I said to you after the, the FA Cup semi-final, there was not one stage in that game where Man City put us under any constant pressure and they were in the bar and in the post and shots were going just past the... You know, and that's what Man, Man City do to things. They steamroll the things. But they've never done that to us. And on Saturday, we came off that pitch worthy winners. No one, not even your most ardent Man City fan, could turn around and say Chelsea didn't deserve that. And that's what the, as I said to you, before the game on Talksport Radio, I kept all I kept hearing was. Man City are the best team, club team in the world. Well, we showed them, didn't we? Yes, we, we did. We showed them because, because at the end of it, as I said to you before, they resorted to long throws and launching the balls into our box. That's where our tactical and the, the setup of our team tactically, we reduced them to that. And no one, no one does that to Man City. They ran out of ideas. And that is a real... Um, for a, a coach to set up his side and to do that to one of Pep Guardiola's teams is a real gold star and a tick and 10 out of 10. Yeah. Absolutely. One player came on. We, we will discuss him because he, he had a chance to... Pretty much killed a game, but unfortunately missed, was Christian Pulisic. He came on. It hasn't been his finest season. Injury and lack of form hasn't helped. But he had that great chance, Steve Deeney. And I think 99% of people that were there and people that were watching it was expecting the net to bulge. It didn't. It could have caused problems. Yeah, watch it on TV. I thought he scored. I thought he was in. I couldn't believe it when it's gone wide. But you know something? You know, he's another one. There's a lot of fringe players that have got to make their move. They've got to make their move. And you know, the biggest thing about being a manager is trusting players. Trusting players. Um, And yeah, Pulisic at the moment, if. I'd give him a mark out of 10 
since he's been at Chelsea? I'd say six. And I don't think that's good enough. Interesting. And yeah. all these little fringe players, all these fringe players now, you know, Chelsea have to move on. They've got to now make sure that the signings that we're going to have, to many, they've got to be people you can trust and you're not taking a gamble. And I think the Chelsea recruitment, there's been a lot of gambles. And I don't think it's, it's you know, it seems to me that some of the signings have been a little bit, you know, I'm questioning quite a lot of them. Um, but as we said, and we said, you know, Mendy has proved to be a good signing. Um, he has. And I think Thiago Silva was, was great in order to uh, stabilise a very iffy defence at one stage. And it, as, as it proved, you know, it's now got solid and it's a good defence, and I think he's been invaluable with his experience. And other players have learned off him. Havertz is a fantastic player, but I question the other two. Ziyech and, uh, and Werner, I do question them on what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, now's the time to go out and get almost like the finished product. Because Chelsea now have a title, European champions, and they've got to maintain that. You know, look at Liverpool. You know, they they were Premier League champions, and you know they've had a well, they pulled it round, unbelievable. But but they've had a, a real hard season, um, and we've got to make sure that doesn't happen to us. Steve, what I was going to do, um, we're obviously talking about the Champions League win on Saturday. I wanted to sort of talk to you because we did discuss it on our last episode about players that we'd like to bring in, players that we'd like to hopefully leave the club. I did actually want to talk about the comparisons of Chelsea winning the Champions League in 2012 to now. And you you did touch on it briefly about the importance of a statement signing. You know, you've mentioned yeah. the great Sir Alex Ferguson. When he won the Champions League, he would go out and buy the best player available because it was not just to freshen the squad up, it was to keep everyone on their toes. I just want to refresh your memory as, as well as the listeners as well that perhaps may have forgotten. When we won the Champions League in 2012, you've mentioned that the, the squad wasn't... It didn't have uh, uh, didn't have many players in different positions. It was quite the depth wasn't there. That's the word I was looking for. The depth wasn't yeah. there. So the the summer of twenty twelve, we ended up bringing in these particular players that ended up either being club legends or those perhaps weren't at the races with Chelsea. We signed Eden Hazard the summer of twenty twelve. For over thirty million pounds, we brought in Oscar for around thirty million pounds. We brought in Victor Moses from Wigan, just for just over ten million pounds. Cesar Aspilicueta came that summer of twenty twelve from Marseille for just under eight million pounds. What a signing he has been yeah. and fantastic value. Uh, Marco Marin, young player from Germany, 
We signed him for just over, just around about eight million pounds as well. We brought in Eden Hazard's brother, Torgan Hazard, who's made a great career for himself as well at the moment in Germany. We brought him in. Those were the signings we brought in that summer of 2012. Steve, just want to get your thoughts on them first. But overall, do you believe it's important that Chelsea bring in statement signings this summer? Bearing in mind with City are going to likely improve their squad. Liverpool are going to likely improve their squad. United, they've been linked with 101 players. The fact that we are European champions, we've got that trophy to establish ourselves as one of the European elite. We've got to go out and get the very best now, surely. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think your statement signing has got to be your centre forward, and whether it be Haaland or whether it be uh, Kane, um, you've got to look that high. You've got to go for that. That every if you look at, at at Man United, every time they won something, they went and bought the best player in Britain. So it was Ferdinand, it was Rooney, it was Pallister at one stage. He was the he, short after he, you know they 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 made a statement that they that they're not prepared to let this go. We're going to keep this. We're going to stay where we are, and that's what we've got to do. And um, you know, Liverpool. A lot of Liverpool's problems this year is that they won the Premier League. And Klopp wasn't backed by his board. They didn't go out and sign the players that Klopp wanted. And they paid for it because of injuries. And their squad wasn't good enough. And I don't... And there's players we're talking about. I wouldn't hang my hat on them to come in and change the thing. You know, we've talked about fringe players at Chelsea. You don't want too many more of them. You want the finished article. And if we can find that, as I said, 20-25 goal a season centre-forward, then we can build around him. And to me, as I said to you, I'd do whatever it takes to get Haaland uh, because he's the right age. He's 23. He's, uh, he's, he has a presence that terrifies defenders. And that's what we need. That's what we need. And then if Werner plays wide and supplies him with goals and it takes the pressure, and Werner then might click into goal-scoring form. But I don't think, I think he's fragile. And I think if we go into next season with our hopes pinned on him, I don't know whether he's mentally strong enough to turn this round. Because Torres couldn't do it at Chelsea. He couldn't do it. He had that bad season when he came and he couldn't do it, Torres. All right, he scored one of the most important goals anyone could ever score in the semi-final um, against Barcelona, but he couldn't do it. And the longer this goes on, the scar becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't know whether Werner's got the mentality to pull this round. I hope I'm wrong because he seems a great kid and he runs all day for Chelsea Football Club. But I have my doubts. Is there another position that you would look to strengthen with a statement signing? One that 
you look at clubs like Barcelona or PSG that they would look to sign. Would you sort of see another position that we may need to strengthen? Bearing in mind, you know, again, we've discussed in regards to the defence, Thiago Silva's not getting any younger, although he's, he doesn't look it. Rudiger near the 30 mark. Is there another position, for example, that you would say we would need to make a statement signing as well as a centre-forward? Yeah, well, I, I think you look down the, the middle of your team, you've got your goalkeeper sorted. You sort out your centre-forward, as I said, whether it be Haaland or Kane or someone of that ilk. And then I'd look at centre midfield, you, you know, and it's hard because what I'm going to say now is, is quite Kante, who I, I listen, you know, and everyone who's heard the podcast know what I think of him as a player. He's now 30 years of age. But what's concerning about Kante, he's missed a lot of games this season. A lot of games. And if you're going to attack the Premier League and you're going to attack the... the you need someone... And I go for Rice. Yes. Um, and I look through the middle of my team and I say, right, with that one of those two centre-forwards, Rice in there, who's been an absolute star at, uh, at West Ham. Um, you're then building something. You're building a juggernaut rather than an articulated lorry or a bus. <laughs> you're building something special. Um, and that's what we've got to do. And yeah. now's the time. Because Roman will be so motivated by, by this achievement. He really... Because I bet in his wildest dreams, Three months ago, I did. I bet he didn't think he was ever going to win the Champions League. <laughs> Again, but bearing in mind when Tuchel came in, we were ninth in the table. We was drawn against Atletico Madrid, who were top of La Liga at that time. So the future in regards to winning big trophies like the Champions League and FA Cups, for example, it wasn't there at that point because we had to try and steady the ship. We did do that. Tuchel's done a superb job. And again, I'll, I'll put my hands up because Tuchel's done a fan, fantastic job at this moment in time. He, he's won the Champions League. And I'm hoping that next season he's given the funds he needs. He's given, I won't say time because no manager, no Chelsea manager has been ever given the time to evolve the club into their ethos into, in, into their image so I'm hoping he's given the chance to have that in a short space of time and again we'll sort of see where it goes but the fact that he's got the Champions League behind him I'm hoping it's not going to be a downward spiral like what happened in 2012 whereby yeah. in six months later two calls sacked I'm hoping yeah. that doesn't happen well I, I, I listen you can never say never, can you, at Chelsea? It's, you know, you've got... I've always said at Chelsea, you've got six games. If you lose six games, you're struggling. You're under pressure. And the one thing as a manager, that, that the press are pretty, pretty ruthless when they get your teeth into you. And I've got... I was saying to... I was talking to my son. And I said to him after the game, and everyone was going mentally, can you imagine how Frank Lampard felt? Can you imagine he's probably sat in a room on his own watching that? Can you imagine how he felt? It must have been it must have been mixed emotions beyond belief. I would have thought, and um, 
yeah, that's how ruthless football is, and it's become more and more and more ruthless. You know, um, but we've got another cup. We're in another cup. We can be champions. We uh, we can win the super cup. We there's so many things we can win the club world championship and do yes. what Liverpool did. Yes, you know, we, club world championships. Time. I believe will be yeah. in December. I believe this year, unless FIFA decide to change it midway through the uh, Premier League campaign. But yes, we've got the Super Cup in August. That'll be in Belfast, I believe, is the venue for the final. So that'll be... a. That's good for us because there's no time difference. You know, that's good. Yes, and hopefully, you know, with... COVID restrictions potentially easing off. There'll be more fans attending that game. Hopefully I will be one lucky enough to get a ticket, which will be good. But um, again, too cool. Fair play to you. You've you've done immensely fantastic so far. But I would also like to mention Frank as well. You did touch on it briefly. Frank will probably... This is is my opinion on how, how Frank... what looked at the game on Saturday. Yes, he will may look at some of the players that maybe let him down in, at the start of the season, thinking, where was that performance is when I needed it? But I think on the other side of the coin, he'll probably look he'll probably look at it with being proud of the likes of Reese James, Mason Mount. To an extent, you know, players that like Tammy Abraham as that if it wasn't for Frank these players would not have got in the side because I don't no. believe, and people will say, you know, oh, hindsight's a wonderful thing. There's no way someone like a Maurizio Sarri would have gambled and put them players in the limelight over trying to buy somebody who's ready made 20, 30 million pounds transfer fee with 5 million a year down the, down the drain for not doing. Well, Frank took the chance he needed to, and yeah, just look at and j- just look at him now. Two years down the line, just, just two years down the line, Reese James is a European Cup winner. Whereby a couple of years ago he was on loan at Wigan. Yeah. Mason Mount was on loan at Vitesse and then on Derby. He's now yeah. at Chelsea and he's a European Cup winner. But they're not European Cup winners whereby they've been on the bench for. 80% of the season they played near enough every game and yeah. that I believe should make Frank proud I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it does and I'm hoping as well Chelsea fans that perhaps were pleased that Lampard left and I know there's some that are still a bit told whether it was the right decision or not I'm hoping there is a universal agreement that if it wasn't for Frank People wouldn't be talking about Mount the way he is now. People wouldn't be talking about Rhys James now. Yes, they would still probably be top players, but they wouldn't have got the pathway where they are now if it wasn't no. Super Frank. He's turned Mount from Snow, Snow, uh, Ben Nevis to Everest. <laughs> Frank Lampard. He has done the most fantastic job. Having said that, his hands were tied at that time, and he had, you know, he had, he, there was one way, but it gave him the excuse to say to Roman, "Listen, the academy that we've we've built and the players coming out of it are special. 
And they are. Chelsea earn a huge income from their academy, sending players out on loan all the time. And, you know, there's, there's talent there. And all it takes is a bit of nurturing. And now, you know, Mason Mount, Reese, they're two, well, top players. Top players. How much would they cost to buy them now? It, you know, you're talking... You'd probably need a 50-year loan to probably pay off how much they are worth. I mean, it was interesting, actually. One of the journalists um, came out on Sunday. Um, I can't remember his name on the top of my head, so forgive me if, if he is listening. But they he put out something that was either on social media or in the newspaper whereby Chelsea received offers for Mason Mount last season. Yeah. And the season before last, where... They were either looking to buy him outright or were looking to loan him. Chelsea at the time said he's not for sale at any price. We are not looking to loan him out again. And at that time, and this is based on um, what was said, they saw Mason Mount as untouchable. Yeah. And this was before this season. So it just goes to show how valued Mason Mount is to Chelsea Football Club and what he is Chelsea. now to Chelsea. Mm. Yeah, and even the uh, likes of Rhys James as well, who is definitely will be an integral pool, integral part, excuse me, of England's setup for the European Championships and even the World Cup sort of later down the line as well. Just fantastic to see whereby when I look at where Chelsea was when Roman came in and we was buying players left, right and centre and the whole team changed, we was buying players for so much money. We win a European Cup with a lot of the team that were academy players. There's a good picture that was out on social media of the players that were at Chelsea for such a young age and the likes of Hudson-Odoi Tammy Abraham, Alterin, Mount, Christensen, James. It's fantastic to see. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is fantastic to see. And um, we've got the bones of a good side. We, we've, we've got a. All we've got to do now is make the right signings because we need, as I said, to push on now. We need. And with the side we've got at the moment, I don't, although we've won the Champions League, I don't think it's consistent enough to win the Premier League. And that should be our aim at the start of the season, to win the Premier League. And I don't think we're, that, we're going to be that consistent to win it. You know, as an example, the results leading up to the, the uh, Champions League final, we were a little bit iffy. And if you want to win a league, you can't afford to be iffy at times. You've got to be really, you know, yeah, obviously lose the odd game, but we've got to be a little bit more consistent. And a lot of the games that we've played in is because we haven't taken our opportunities to score and put the game beyond reach. Um, Even the start against Aston Villa, you know, we had so much control in, uh, in the first 20 minutes. We could have been two up and we let them off the hook. And good teams don't let teams off the hook. And that little bit of experience and those, all the players that are playing will get a real lift if you get the right signings in. And 
they see and they believe in the in the progression the team's making. You know, sometimes people forget that, but if you, you know, if you sign the right players, the players who are there get a hell of a lift because their team has, has improved and they know it's stronger and they know that they're going to be harder to beat. Everyone gets a lift. And that's, yes. what, uh, that's what we've got to do going into next season. But our recruitment have got the ideal opportunity to look for players and look at players with the Euros on. I'd have every scout, every, every Chelsea scout, every game looking for the right player to add to the jigsaw that, that is starting to be built here. Yes, most definitely. It'll be interesting what transpires in the summer, who we bring in, who we're linked with, who goes out. But one thing is is for sure, we're still buzzing what happened on Saturday and we're going to enjoy this summer, aren't we, Steve, knowing that we're European champions. So So we should, because I'll tell you what, it's not every day, it's not every year that you become European champion. So when we do get it, enjoy it. Speak to all your Spurs mates and all your Arsenal mates and all your mates that don't support Chelsea and say that you're enjoying yourself. I'll tell you what, not only did we beat them on the pitch, we beat them off the pitch as well. Oh, the atmosphere. Atmosphere was fantastic. Yeah, unbelievable. It was a real great club performance on and off the pitch. Well, the last thing I would like to mention with Chelsea and the European Cup success... Steve, I don't know whether you've seen it, but there was a a photo that has been going round of the list of teams that have won the European Cup slash Champions League and where Chelsea are now. And we're in some great company. I've just sort of run off a a few names. I won't mention, obviously, the top because we're nowhere near them, but the teams that are near us, we're now on the same amount of European Cup wins as Benfica, as Juventus, Nottingham Forest, when they had their great run under Brian Clough. We're level with Porto. We've overtaken big European stalwarts in European Cup success. The likes of Dortmund, Feyenoord, Celtic, Hamburg, Aston Villa, who won it as well, PSV. And we're only one away now from the likes of... Manchester United and Inter Milan. So we have got some great company in this European elite. And there's no reason why we can't potentially, it has happened before, not saying we're definitely going to do it, but not to say we can't go on and defend it successfully. No reason why we can't. No, I think we proved that this year, but we can make it easier. (laughs) We can make it easier by getting the right players. Yeah, but uh, no, it, it's been, you know, uh, as I said, uh, this this Premier League, um, Champions League thing, which which uh, I, I can't understand it because to me, Chelsea Football Club won the biggest trophy in club football on Saturday. Um, and that's what makes it so special. The biggest club and the hardest one to win as well. You know, yeah. it's, uh, you know, and the fact that you're looking at that list and we're only one behind Manchester United. And really, yes. really, we should have been one up over Man United. When you think about it, it was, um, 
that was a heartbreaking night. And, you know, <laughs> so, um, but no, the fact that we're only one behind them is, is says an awful lot. And all those people out there that say, you know, Chelsea haven't got a history. We're building a bloody good one at the moment. Absolutely. Yes. A good one at the moment. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard, Chelsea haven't got a history. Well, they actually, they have got a history. Um, and it's turning out to be, because now that result is, is history, you know. So <laughs> our, our history is becoming very, very good. And due to Roman and his investment and his faith, um, you know, we are the, we, we've won a lot of cups in his time. Um, and that's all part of our history and no one can criticise that. Well, as well as that, we've now got two more European Cups more than Man City. We've got two more European Cups more than Arsenal and we've got two more European Cups more than Tottenham Hotspur. So, Steve, life's good at the moment and I think we should embrace it. Absolutely. I'm going to have a glass of wine now. (laughs) <laughs> I'll have to jo- I think I think I might have to join you with an alcoholic beverage but yeah in regards to the the Blue Day podcast going forward we did briefly touch on it uh on our last episode today or as as we're as we've been recording the interview the exclusive interview with John Boyle is now out it's been now out on YouTube and all available podcast stations Fantastic interview with somebody who, again, played many, many games for Chelsea, won three trophies for the club. It's a great interview. I urge anybody who enjoys their history to listen to that. But we've also got big plans for the podcast as well in the summer. There is no off switch for us this this summer, of course, because it's our first year being the Blue Day podcast. So while the European Championships are going about we will be hopefully having more interviews with various people associated with Chelsea Football Club we will be announcing some great names coming up some you may some you may be aware of some you might have forgotten about but hopefully you will all join us when we have our player interviews and we're going to look forward to next season Steve whereby we'll be doing more match reviews and we'll be discussing who's come into Chelsea, who's who's gone out. And hopefully when this COVID's over, we'll actually do a couple of uh, live videos at Stamford yeah. Bridge, which will be yeah, pretty cool. That's great. And as I said, football's a, a, a ruthless industry. So you Chelsea fans, enjoy the here and now. We will certainly be doing that. By the way, before we do finish... If you do not know where to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, the Blue Day Podcast. Find us on Twitter, at Blue Day Podcast. Find us on YouTube, where they've got all the former player interviews that we've done, all the previous player interviews that we've done. Find us on there. Find us on Instagram as well, the Blue Day Podcast. Find us anywhere. Just type in on Google, Blue Day Podcast, and it will come up with stuff. That's That's all I can say with that. I also want to thank as well again, Steve, for being the best co-host that I could possibly find. And I appreciate his time and effort of coming onto the podcast. His insights has been refreshing for this podcast. So I appreciate, Steve, what you've done for me here. 
and we're going, like I said, we're going to enjoy this summer and we will be back reviewing Chelsea next season. Yeah, looking forward to it, Steve. Fantastic. Well, I've been Keith Lawrence. He's been Steve Wicks. Enjoy your summer. Stay safe and carefree. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.